Good evening. So, this episode is a really, really fun one. I have not done this for several years, but when I did do it several years ago, it was a lot of fun. And I was thinking about this recently and I thought I should write this down because there are lots of people out there that would probably really enjoy doing these sorts of things with their partner. And it's very much in alignment with the goal of this podcast, which is to create super intense, incredibly intense, meaningful, connective DS relationships that involve erotic hypnosis and conditioning. So, as always, value up front. Uh, Your main element here is going to be the unforgivable curses. So what you're basically going to do is create a trigger using the standard trigger creation methodology, which I discuss in other podcasts and in the classes I teach on training your partner. I think, what was it called? How to hypnotize? No. How to train your submissive, I think is the class on this that covers how to create triggers. But you're going to create a trigger and make it both a, I think the term is somatic, verbal, somatic, kinetic. I think it's kinetic and somatic components. I'm getting my D&D terminology a little bit mixed up. Um, But basically your voice saying this word and then like a particular hand gesture that kind of resembles a wand, like a little twist and a flick. And then these effects are created, which are really fun, really desirable, and really, really interesting and powerful to play with. So you create all of these things as triggers, and I'll go through all of this in more detail, but I'm going to list everything that I have planned, and then we'll talk about it in more detail. So your unforgivable curses are going to be your big three. Um, They're the most basic ones and the most, I think, versatile and useful. You've got the imperious curse. Uh, which compels obedience, imperio. You have the cruciatus curse, which causes instant pain. Although, depending on the nature of the subject, you can modify that to be pain or just mind-exploding, spine-melting bliss. Um, And the Latin for that is crucio. Uh, And then you have avada kedavra, which, well, I guess it's the, the same in... Yeah, it's it's the same, but basically, um, it's not the same as cruciatus. It's just uh, the way that you, quote unquote, cast the spell in the Harry Potter franchise is also the name of the spell, whereas the cruciatus curse is different, and the imperio curse is different. Imperius, imperio, cruciatus, crucio. Um, I'm now looking at this and thinking it's probably because it's based on the Latin, but I don't actually know. And that, of course, is the one I usually turn into a explosively mind-shattering orgasm. Cruciatus, I personally usually use as a pain trigger, but uh, you may choose to leave that out or to modify it to have whatever effect that you would like. Now, some other really useful ones are, I'm going to list the actual spell and then the desired effect here. So, obliviate to temporarily blank out the last minute or so of their memory. Uh, Alohomora, which is a really fun one. <laughs> I like to rig this up. Uh, in, the, in the books and movies, it's the, the charm for opening a locked door. And I like to rig this up to a deep unconscious urge for a woman to open her legs and to be unable to close them until the spell is ended. Uh, Revelio, 
is, and I'll put a list of all of these in the show notes, just like always, uh, irresistible compulsion to stand up, strip naked, uh, confundus basically makes it impossible for her to think, um, Petrificus totalis, probably the most useful one besides the main three unforgivable curses, but basically total paralysis. Um, Legil... I always get this one wrong. Legilimens. Legilimens. Because the... What was it? Was it the sixth book? I don't think it was the sixth book. Fifth book? I think it might have been the fifth book. Fifth book was my favorite, but um, the one where Snape is teaching Harry how to protect himself from mental invasion. I really like... Well, I I didn't like those scenes. I thought they were jarring, but the actual idea is very interesting. The idea that... um, And I modify this one to make it so that they can only tell the truth. Um, silencio obviously is like a mute button causes silence and then mimblewimble was when I was looking up tonight as I was going through the complete list of all of the Harry Potter spells that are ever mentioned in the books or the movies and um, that one apparently makes it so they can only speak in gibberish which you know if you're into that kind of thing can be really fun and interesting so that's the value up front now let's talk about all this in more detail so Several years ago, I was running a series of scenes with someone, and I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. They're a huge Harry Potter fan. I'm a big fan. I'm not annoying about it, though. And uh, side note, if you ever have the opportunity to see a stage play called Puffs, P-U-F-F-S, it's basically all of the years of Harry Potter, but told from the perspective of the Hufflepuffs, who were kind of a setters, a side characters, basically, in in the books and the movies. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, 100% recommended. I went and saw it in Melbourne when I was living there, and 10 out of, 12 out of 10, could not recommend it high enough. Fantastic night out, dress up, have a great time. I did, it was fantastic. Could not recommend it more highly. But um, around that time, I started experimenting with the girl that I was dating and doing these sorts of, this is several years ago now, um, like Harry Potter themed fun, kinky play scenes. And so it became a really fun, really interesting way to just add like an extra bit of versatility and variety to our dynamic. And uh, because we were both, you know, doing a lot of hypnosis together, um, me hypnotizing her, it was like easy to bolt this on it. It kind of felt really natural. So the reason that I mentioned this is because I think that element of fun is very often lost and overlooked and in relationships and in kink relationships. I think there is such an emphasis on seriousness and seriousness and Oh, God, it's... Hmm. I'm just thinking back to all the people that I know that had contracts and that took 
everything so mind-crushingly seriously. And it was sort of like, okay, sort of like the way how a nuclear bomb and a nuclear reactor are sort of the same thing. One of them is just slower and more controlled. Their relationships were just frighteningly unstable, volatile, but it was sort of like watching a bomb go off in very slow motion. And the only thing stopping it from going off even faster to the point of it becoming an explosion was the constant intervention of her dominant in every element of her life where his control was necessary to stop her life from spiraling completely out of control. And, um, there was always this edge of seriousness to everything, this edge of, oh, it was, and this is not just a public facade. It was a a thing I observed many, many, many times, even in private, where, You'd be having a great time relaxing at someone's house, having dinner with them and their girl and a bunch of their kink friends. And this girl dropped a piece of cutlery, not a bowl or a plate or anything that could shatter, but a knife, I think it was, or a fork. And there were about eight of us. We were playing some board games. Uh, I quite enjoy board games. And... And basically everything just went from, oh, we're all having fun to now we're all kind of sitting here awkwardly while this guy gives her a super intense lecture about this and that. And it's just, oh, the tone was jarring and wildly inappropriate. And these two people were in a just massively codependent relationship, um, which had, I I don't want to say grown, but enmeshed enmeshed between the two of them over the course of years. And, uh, I mean, I'm a firm believer that you can't punish someone for something that they can't consciously control. Um, so, you know, she didn't make a decision to drop a piece of cutlery. Therefore, a punishment is not warranted in my view. You can run your house however you like, but As my father always pointed out to me, a smart man learns from his mistakes and the smartest men learn from the mistakes of others as well. And it was just really jarring. And I thought, God, there's no fun in this. There's no juice in this. There's no joy in this. The way, and it was really, it was a fantastic contrast because there were, I think, three, possibly four couples um, at this event, just a house party at someone's house. We were playing board games. And I think there might've been one other single person there for a little while, but it was basically all couples. And so you've got like three amazing couples. And then I think it might've been three or four people, but there was like, you know, it's just, everyone's getting along. Everyone's getting along. Everyone's getting along. And then one couple was just like, oh my God, this is just, oh, so bad to watch. And the awkwardness and the anxiety and the tears and the lecturing. And it's like, dude, just stop. Not his fault completely. They were in a massively codependent relationship. And that was the real issue. Um, I address all of the preventative and proactively preventative measures uh, about dealing with the natural formation of codependencies in a DS dynamic in the class series I do on DS relationship design, which you can find at the website. Um, just in case I haven't mentioned it or I forget to mention it later, but, um, it's the wordsmith speaks T 
T-H-E-W-O-R-D-S-M-I-T-H-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. And the podcast is Mind Kink, which is probably where you're listening to this now. So it just got me thinking, like, there's just no joy in this. There's no fun in this. There's no... There's no laughter in this. And I thought there's so much seriousness in in kink as a collective. And this was just such a really fun, really interesting, really just playful, but also very invasively controlling way to add some super kinky erotic hypnosis themed elements to our relationship. So I thought I'd share that with you. I'm about to continue sharing it with you. The main ones you're going to want to focus on, I'll talk about in a moment, but let's discuss some prerequisites and I'll assume that you don't know anything. So what you're going to do is you want a partner where either you or the partner, but preferably the partner or both of you have some familiarity or a deep love of the Harry Potter franchise books and movies. There are spells that are introduced in that franchise that are very well known and that are very recognizable in both their intention and their effect. And you're going to use that to create some fun effects in your hypnosis triggers. And so you are going to hypnotize your partner and your consenting partner, obviously. And you'll explain what's happening before you do the session. You'll get a pre-talk through and you'll take them deeply into hypnosis using whatever your preferred method is. And then you'll create a standardized trigger where it's basically along the lines of, and again, you can go through my work on how to train your partner, uh, how to train your submissive partner, I think it's called. Um, but it's, cl- it's a class in the root directory of the resources folder on the website. You just grab that and it, it details how to implant triggers and create triggers and the methodology and the exact language with several exact scripts on the topic. But basically you load this concept into that format and create a really fun effect. And then you would test that and verify that works within trance and then bring them out of trance and then fire off these triggers again and have an amazing time with it. And of course, all the usual safety elements of double action triggers. So requiring two elements, not just anytime anyone says this word, but something like anytime I say this word. So it has to be this word said by me or anytime I say this word and we are alone together, which is basically a triple action trigger. The usual generic one is anytime I do this, and it's safe and appropriate. So, yeah, simple little tricks there. But um, it can be a really fun way to add different mind control elements. There's a surprisingly large amount of extremely invasive mind control in the Harry Potter franchise. Everything from charms that make you forget things to charms that make you remember things that never happened to... um, There's the concept of a pensive, which is basically this idea that you can pull memories out of someone's mind and put them into a a kind of, I hesitate to say this, but it looks like a bird bath um, filled with silvery light. And then you can kind of recall those memories. And it's basically just lots of really interesting and fun ways to play around with memory play as well. So there's elements of, of extremely invasive control. There's elements of memory play, amnesia, compulsion, 
you know, mental domination, so many, it's such a rich, fertile ground for you to explore with your partner. So let's start at the top with the ones that I think are going to be the most useful and readily applicable to the most people. So we're going to start with the big three, the unforgivable curses. Now, these are, it's kind of pointless to explain in the franchise because you've either read the books and you know what they are or not, but essentially they are a curse to compel someone to do whatever you want them to do, which, you know, I think the effects of that are pretty obvious in their appeal. Um, a spell to make someone feel extreme pain and a spell to kill them instantly. And so you can immediately see how we can adapt these to have some fucking great times with your partner, right? So how I normally do it with the one person that I've ever done this with several years ago was, what did I do? I, so, um, Imperio was basically the, the Latin form for the casting of the spell. It's called the Imperius curse, but it's, in, it's created using Imperio. And it was basically, you take them into trance, create the trigger and you explain the trigger and its effects to them while they're in trance. And it's basically, you know, while you're under the compulsion of this trigger, you will do anything that I tell you to do. Um, I also find it useful to bolt on some standard safeties, like anything that is safe and appropriate or anything that does not harm yourself and others. You could go for like a whitelisting approach here or a blacklisting approach. So you can say things that are specifically allowed and you can say things that are not specifically allowed. So you can tweak it. Um, I always hate classes when people are like, so you can tweak it. And then they move on without explaining how or what you could tweak it to. So I will do that here because it infuriates me when other people try to teach shit and they don't explain what they're teaching. And it's just incredibly frustrating. So one of the ways you can modify this is by saying something like, you know, you will do, you will have a helpless compulsion to do whatever it is that I tell you to do so long as it's safe and appropriate. So that would be a whitelisting approach. A blacklisting approach would be something like working around carefully pre-negotiated limits, like no self-harming, for example. So you think of the entire scope of what is possible, and then you, you know, remove the handful of things that are expressly forbidden. I massively prefer in all of my negotiations and conversations, a whitelisting approach. What is allowed explicitly versus what is not allowed, but then you can be really creative in a lot of ways that make it very hard to tell where the lines are. And that, that impedes mostly my ability to maximize the intensity of what I'm doing, which is why it frustrates me. So I, I pretty much always these days use a whitelisting approach in my negotiations and conversations around what you would like to experience or what we're going to do together. Um, blacklisting is often presented as the easier, more accessible way of doing it. Um, I think that's called exclusive negotiation, but inclusive negotiation is massively superior to it in literally every way. And I think that if you haven't switched to doing that yet, definitely switch to doing that already. Now, imperious is really useful because of course it taps into a lot of the fundamental elements that make hypno kink super fucking hot for people that enjoy it. 
One of those is the idea of compulsion and the idea of being quote-unquote forced to do something against your will. And so this is a, a contextual element that allows you to create an experience where resistance is simply not possible. The really powerful thing about this is they've seen extremely mentally strong characters on a screen go into this experience and do things completely against their will. Um, and it creates this very solid expectation in their mind of this is a real thing, even though it's a fantasy world, uh, and it will work on me, and this is the desired effect. They know exactly what is supposed to happen, which means that when you do it, it can tap into that underlying knowledge of what is expected and correct and create a surprisingly powerful effect. Now, the way that I did this was basically to create an element where... How's the best way to explain this? I started off by doing it with the safe and appropriate version and just kind of tweaking it from there as the consensual non-consent dynamic that we had deepened. But the end evolution that I had for this was basically um, while under the influence of this, they would do any sexual act that they were commanded to without the ability to resist it. Now, obviously, you build a consensual non-consent dynamic on months or at least several weeks or years of careful exploratory conversations and negotiations and all of that. So... I'm not saying walk up to somebody, put them into a trance, tell them they have no limits and go from there. I'm saying carefully construct a desirable state that is activatable on command within your consenting partner for the purposes of having fucking great sex with them. Now, one of the really interesting elements of this is that I noticed while well, under the compulsion of this, the girl had no guilt about anything. She had absolutely no guilt sexually, which was just so interesting to me. And it, it spawned an entire branch of my work where I used to have this very self-limiting belief that the slightest, what did I wear? It wasn't imperfection. The slightest inhibition spoils the grandest of pleasures. That is not true and is a very, very negative self-limiting belief. I strongly encourage you to reject and remove that belief from your own mind. However, it is true that the less guilt, shame, and inhibition that someone feels, generally speaking, the more that you can work to maximize the intensity of the experiences they are having. And what I noticed is it was under the compulsion of this trigger... This girl was having astonishingly intense experiences, orgasms, physical sensations that were just well in excess of what I would expect. And the element that was missing was the guilt, the shame, and the any ability to take responsibility for her own actions while under the effect of that. So that is what made it so fucking hot for her to be controlled in that way. And I, I phrased the trigger to create a kind of awareness of what she was doing and the knowledge that it was wrong and it was being done to her against her will, quote unquote, against her will. Um, but to be unable to stop herself from doing it, which of course just made it even hotter for her. So super, super, super hot. Um, now let's talk before we move forward about 
how you cancel these. So some of these, like the Avada Kedavra one, are what I think of as point effects. So they occur at a specific point in time, whereas something like Petrificus Totalis or, um, you know, depending on how you phrase the Crucio curse, um, it's going to get so confusing for people, I'm sure, but the Cruciatus curse, sorry, um, you can make that like a fixed duration or you can simply have it continue until that person like hears the end phrase. So to keep it within the context of Harry Potter spells, I would suggest using something in vaguely Roman Latin sounding ish kind of text. So the one I used to use was endius because it's the word end with a pseudo Roman sounding thing on the end, but it's recognizable in its intent. I'm not sure what the Latin term for the end of a sustained magical effect credit entirely within someone's mind by hypnosis is. I'm sure there's a word for that somewhere, but I used endius because it's basically the word end and the intention is very clear. So how you would use this in practice is that you, how I would do it, how I did do it, was basically I was alone with someone, we were at a hotel or in our house or um, in a cottage somewhere, and I would look deeply into her eyes and I would say the words while she could see my right hand. And I would basically have like a, this is just something that I adopted as a kind of affectation. You can phrase and create your triggers however you wish to. But I kind of had it like a little, like a, a, a little clockwise rotation of an extended single index finger on my right hand rotating around the wrist. So just from the 12 o'clock point all the way down and around back up to the 12 o'clock point, just sort of, you know, like a little flick of the finger, you know. Um, that wasn't actually part of the trigger as I designed it originally. It was just something that I started doing because it kind of felt really natural to do it, you know, swish and flick. And uh, yeah, so that was really fun. So basically you end the effect with the same way that you, so let's, let's run you through a simple example. Um, you would take them into trance, create the trigger, explain the desired effect of the trigger in a whitelisted way. So I would use something like only safe and appropriate, unless you know exactly what you're doing or you're trying to create a consensual non-consent dynamic using this idea, but basically only when it's safe and or only what is safe and appropriate. Uh, and then you would leave them in trance, look deeply into their eyes, give the trigger phrase, use the little swish and flick of your hand, have them carry that out, and then have you end the effect with the same, with the word endious. And that should, of course, be the very first trigger in this set that you create. I, as a general rule, do not do anything with someone in hypnosis until I know how to undo the thing that I'm about to do. Um, there are slight exceptions to this. I strongly encourage you to not make any exceptions to this. And always, you can reach out to me via email. I'm very approachable. I am absurdly easy to get a hold of. 
Um, you can message me on Telegram, which is how I prefer people to contact me because it's easier for me to reply with an audio message, which just saves me a huge amount of time. So please do that. Um, or if you're not on Telegram, well, I think it is free. Or you can use the email address at my website to contact me, which just in case you need it, is the wordsmith speaks at pm.me, as in the abbreviated proton mail address, pm.me. And then you would basically let that effect run, and then you would end that effect with the ending spell, basically. And that would be the first trigger that you would make. So, Imperious is super fucking hot. Now, how I did it was basically I created the a, a kind of like a dull-eyed blank zombie state where she was completely aware of everything that was happening to her and everything she was doing, but like a prisoner in her own mind, a prisoner in her own body. And she was rebelling against it as strongly as she possibly could because, of course, for her, the idea of being non-consensually mentally overpowered was super fucking hot. Um... It should go to, to mention that uh, all of these things were carefully negotiated in advance, not in trance or in any sort of state where I would have an undue influence or bias over her. These were things we talked about for days or weeks in advance, planned out carefully by me and installed at specifically her request. And so we talked about this for you know days and weeks in advance and then we created these things and played around with one another. But I think this, I think from memory, this was the first one we did. Um, simply because it's so widely accessible. It's just a beautiful, simple, practical example. It doesn't require any modification because the trigger in the actual books is used for precisely this purpose. So unconsciously, if they've read the books or have seen the films, they know exactly what is supposed to happen and it just slotted into place and it was amazing. It was super fucking hot. And those are the kinds of experiences that I want you to be able to have with someone that you care about. So... I will be doing other episodes in this sort of theme of like, here is a common franchise or popular media item, like a movie or a book, and here's how you can adapt it for super hot brainwashing sex. Um, but I'm going to present the general outline of this here and basically encourage you to just think of different ways that things that you and her like, particularly things that the receiving partner likes because they already have elements of expectation and what is supposed to happen built into that. Um, I am not really into anime. I watch a little bit of anime. Um, I mean, basically Avatar The Last Airbender, the animated series. Legend of Korra is shit. And anyone who thinks it isn't shit is wrong. And I can quite happily tell you over the course of several hours why it's absolute garbage. The only slight improvement was some of the airbending and waterbending and the bending scenes in The Legend of Korra were a little better, a little better done in my opinion, but everything else about that show is just horrific. But I don't really watch a lot of anime. Um, but the reason this is relevant is I know there are some girls who watch a lot of anime, like a disturbingly large amount of anime, like a please seek help, this is an intervention amount of anime. And if you can tap into a character that they really identify with, even if it's not something that you know much about, 
if you can tap into something that they have an expectation of, so I don't know, let's say hypothetically there's a, um, okay, not a great example because I've only watched like the first 10 minutes of this episode, but I think it was episode one of an anime called Chobits. Um, and someone showed it to me in university um, a few years ago when I was there and I thought, man, that is... That is just the weird... They were showing me... This was a woman. They were showing it to me because they thought it was weird. And I was like, it makes perfect sense to me. And if you've seen the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you could utilize something like that. Now, just be aware that you want to create a trigger that attaches to something that they only have positive expectations of. So... It's good to do some character research, maybe look at the Wikipedia article of like the whole arc of those characters or the things that happen to them. Not because you're likely to trigger negative effects, but because you want to be certain, as certain as you can be, about the implicit assumptions that your that your subject's unconscious mind is going to be baking into whatever triggers you create, utilizing those pre-existing assumptions. So the really amazing thing about the Imperious Curse is that it's simple, effective, and they see several examples of it in characters on screen. They know it's basically someone else has total control over you and there's nothing you can do about it and there's no escape. And that's the expectation they have of it, which is exactly why it plays out so incredibly well when I did it with this person. So, the other one that we used to use was um, Cruciatus. Now, I started off with this, well, hmm. I started off taking this a little literally, a little literally, and basically made it a pain on command trigger for a while. And then I turned it into a mind shattering bliss on command pleasure, but not necessarily orgasmic, more of just a the kind of bliss that leaves you ragged, panting, and breathless, but definitely not satisfied. I actually like to think of it as a kind of... Man, it's hard to talk about sometimes because these are very, very intimate personal details of my life that I've never shared with anybody before, but I can't help you to create an amazing experience with your partner if I don't well, talk about stuff that I've done. So here we are. Um, I originally started off with this as a pain trigger and then I changed it to a kind of like an, kind of like an edging trigger, basically. It would just put someone on the edge painfully for several seconds and then fade away naturally. And again, you create all of this when you describe the trigger to them when you're creating it. Um, and you also want to make sure that it taps into as deep as possibly an understanding of their implicit expectation around what is expected. On screen, you see this curse used and... It's extremely visible and very visual and they kind of thrash around and they're in obvious agonizing pain. And that translates very well to, you know, someone thrashing around either because they're in pain and you've caused them to feel pain or because they're having a fucking amazing time and they're feeling incredible bliss. I have read several books in the Wheel of Time series. I think I tapped out at like six or seven when 
there was this one scene where the characters in the book start to make explicit literal references to the characters in the book essentially being sent on fetch quests. And that was around the point where I thought, no, I've got better things to do with my life. Granted, I was basically skim reading the two books before that point. But there's this scene where a crazy lady is using magic to torture somebody. And she starts off, I think, from memory by basically making him feel really, really, really large amounts of pain. And then she flips around to like absurdly large amounts of pleasure. And the idea is basically to break this guy's mind and turn him into someone that would do anything just to feel that way again. Basically, the difference between doing horrible things to him and or making him into a drug addict who, like a meth addict, basically, who needed to hear her voice in order to feel pleasure in that way again. And so when you're creating these triggers, obviously always do the standard trigger creation methodology of giving the person's unconscious mind the ability to trigger these effects with anyone that person feels safe with or just with you, depending on how you've delicately and carefully negotiated the creation of these triggers. You may want to keep them all to yourself. That's perfectly fine and completely valid. You create a piece of artwork and sometimes it's a piece of artwork that only you get to see. And other times you're playing with someone who's also playing with other people and they might want those triggers for themselves so they can share them with other people. And so obviously that's something that you have to discuss. However, always, I would strongly advise, by strongly advise, I mean do it, um, place in the only when it's safe and appropriate as a kind of generic exception catch-all um, because you can't know the level of skill of the other person that they may be playing with and they may be allowing them to use those triggers that isn't you. And you will need to, I find it best and most prudent to build safeties into the trigger rather than relying on the inherent skill of somebody else who isn't me and who may not have as much experience handling this sort of thing as I do. So if you're going to create triggers for somebody else's partners to use, I would put more of an emphasis on the agency of that person, of the subject, and less on... Okay, so here's how I would actually do it. If I was doing it in real life, I would basically have them say, um, this is the Imperio, and when, and, and when you know me or someone that you trust looks at you, says this word, as in looks at you, says this word, and makes a little swish and flick with their hand, right? And it's safe and appropriate then you will do whatever you feel safe and appropriate doing. Um, and you can also build in like a time limit. So for 30 seconds or until you hear that person who gave you the command, give you the endious command. Um, you might like to pick whatever phrase you liked, but, um, you know, whatever you want to pick for the ending of the effect trigger that should be the first trigger that you create in this set. So imperious is the first one, basically obedience, unconditional totality of obedience. Uh, in the books, I believe people under the effect of this curse have been documented to harm loved ones, to harm themselves when asked to, to do horrible, horrible things, which is why it's one of the three unforgivable curses, which are basically like punished by death or the rest of your life in prison, 
or if you're found to have used them under any circumstances. Hence the term unforgivable curses. Now, moving on to Crucio, it's created the exact same way using the standard trigger creation methodology, which I outlined the detailed steps of in other podcast episodes. Now, here is where you can vary a little bit. So as I mentioned before, I started off using this as a pain trigger. And I very quickly decided that this would, with this person, this effect was not really what I wanted. Um, it just didn't suit me. It didn't suit my dynamic. It didn't feel right. So I changed it to mindless drooling bliss. As I was talking about before, the reference to the Wheel of Time book series, this was basically like super intense amounts of physical and sexual and emotional pleasure. Um, obviously you wouldn't use that as a punishment, but it is fun as fuck to do it though. And of course, because of the visually dramatic elements of this in an authoritative source, the movies, uh, it usually provoked an extremely strong response. So there's that one. Now, Avada Kedavra was probably the easiest one, and that was basically just a straight up orgasm trigger. But I took some time... And I made that really, really, really strong. I made it just the strongest that it could be. I used the geometric technique that I developed to basically bring her to orgasm, continue that orgasm, extend the duration of that orgasm, and then just keep doubling the intensity of that orgasm every couple of seconds, verifying it and doing it again, verifying it and doing it again, taking as long as I needed to, to really ensure that she really was feeling twice as much pleasure. To the point where I had to employ some of those specific techniques I developed to overcome the natural physiological limitations of the brain and how much pleasure it can process at any given time without actually blacking out. Again, I talk about all of this in the, I think it's the hour-long orgasms episode. If I haven't mentioned it before, just email me about it and I'll put out another episode on it, but I'm pretty sure it's all in there. And that was just a straight-up orgasm trigger. And I decided to create that for a duration of about three seconds, four seconds. So basically, you know, swish and flick with your finger, say the words, look into her eyes, boom, amazing orgasms, knee buckling, spine melting, mind expanding orgasms. Those are the three that I think are going to be the most generally useful to you. Now, the other one that I used often was Petrificus Totalis. Um, there's a very dramatic scene, I believe, in the first film. No, it is in the first film, where this is used, and it's very dramatic. And it's a uh, yeah, fantastic example of this particular thing. But it was basically, the desired effect is I want her to stay perfectly still. I want her to be petrified, totally. Hence, Petrificus Totalis. Now, I basically installed these triggers slash quote-unquote spells in order of the desired effects that I wanted. So I started with the first one, which was the ending of the effect. And then it was Imperio, because of course, total obedience, super hot. Um, and that was a real favorite of hers. That was, oh, that was, that was some real magic right there. Oh, look, a pun. Um, but yeah, and of course, we already had orgasm triggers going for her way before this. So Avada Kedavra was less commonly used. It was more of a themed thing. Um, like I said, there are so many different things in Harry Potter that you can so easily adapt to, uh, 
like mind control elements, you know. It's, it's just this huge, expansive universe, and there are so many concepts within this that you can so easily adapt to your own erotic and intimate play. Now, those are the top four, I would say, would be kind of like a general set for people. The rest of these are less commonly used and more included here for completeness. So one of my other favorite ones that I really liked <laughs> was Alohomora. Uh, in the books, this is the spell to open a locked door. Uh, also, Halani Granger, best character. And um, yeah, basically, I thought about this and I thought, what, what would I like opened? And I thought, well, I'd like her heart opened or... One of the ideas that I had was her mind opens up. So the idea of me using that trigger makes her very, very suggestible. Um, you know, her mind is now unlocked. Her mind is now open. So for a while I was using that as essentially a reinduction trigger. Um, basically, Petrificus Totalis to paralyze her completely. And then Alohomora to open up her mind to my voice, my influence, my control, and then I would basically do a standard induction and kind of pull her into trance that way. So, but yes, Alohomora. Now, what I settled on eventually was creating an irresistible physical compulsion to open her thighs, <laughs> which was just the most fun. I mean, the most fun. Um, because... You can do something like this in public. You can look at her and say the words, make the little swish and flick, and her legs can open underneath the table, and she can't stop them from opening. But it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't change anything. She's just been toyed with, teased, played with, used in a public setting in a very sexual way that is also completely discreet. And as soon as her knees have reached the, the desired opening level, um, she just gains control of them again and she can close them whenever she likes. But it's the forcing her to open them. It's the forcing her to open herself, to be mentally and physically vulnerable. So Alohomora was basically a reinduction trigger and then I changed it to you basically have to open your legs. Um, in my mind, I used the standard of at least wide enough to fit my head in there. Um, for obvious reasons, but ending up, I did it a little bit wider and I made the sex that we had really hot, you know, um, added in a little bit of resistance play, you know, a little bit of a struggle and then a look in her eyes, the word, and then her body just opening itself up for you against her quote unquote will. Perfect. Super hot. Worked like a charm, honestly. So much fun. And this is what I want you guys to have. I want you guys to be able to take these concepts and then play around with them and have fun with your partner in bed. Now, the rest of these were kind of theoretical and I can't see any reason why they wouldn't work, but I never actually used them with my partner. So these are just sort of extra ones. Now, actually, no, I did use one of these. Revelio. So Revelio was the strip naked one. Um, and when you get up to a few of these, you're going to want to practice them with her a few times so that 
she kind of understands which one is which. And this is why using Latin as a base language is really handy because it's kind of built in like revelio, reveal, reveal yourself. It's not difficult to read between the lines and figure out what's intended there. But that was basically stand up and then strip yourself until you were completely naked. And again, same as the alohomora, this irresistible hypnotic compulsion of being forced, quote unquote, to do this against your will, quote unquote, was super hot for resistance play and C and C dynamics and very, very fun, super fun. So Revilio, basically stand up, strip, take off your clothes, drop them unceremoniously on the floor. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't fold them carefully. You would just reveal yourself until you were revealed. Now, the other ones I didn't actually use. So Confundus was basically just make her mentally blank and unable to think for a while. Um, Obliviate was a bit of a memory play one. Um, so the idea that I had, which I never actually implemented, was basically just like blank out the last 30 seconds to a minute or so. Um, I just, it wasn't really my thing. I never really needed to do that. I had other memory play elements at that point uh, that were much more invasive. So I didn't need this one. Um... Silencio, I didn't need that because I already had existing triggers for silence, but, you know, there's no reason you can't make it a Harry Potter-themed one. Um, Mimble Wimble is one that I only found this evening when I was looking up the list of all of the Harry Potter spells. Um, but I never used that one. Never used that one. But um, apparently it's basically make them speak only gibberish. And again... A couple of the ones that I can, and you're probably noticing this trend already, but a couple of the ones that I never used were mostly for like, I guess what most people would think of as like IQ reduction or confusion or like almost like bimboification, but not quite really um, elements. So making someone silent, making someone um, unable to speak normal words and just speaking gibberish or random nonsense, making someone mentally hazy and confused. Those were not effects that I actually desired, so I didn't actually use those ideas, but they may be effects that you or your partner desires, and so you can absolutely use those ideas. I just like to make it very clear when I'm describing these things, what I have done and what I haven't done. Um, I think that teaching from first-hand experience is the most valuable kind of teaching. So, uh, Obliviate, again, I had memory play elements that were much more invasive than that. And the other one was Legilimens, which was basically a forced compulsion to tell me the truth, except in that relationship with that girl, we already had that with each other as a normal part of our relationship. So she would always tell me the truth and I would always tell her the truth. That was already baked into our relationship. So I didn't see a need for that particular effect. So what you have now are a list of triggers that you can use, create, and then use with your partner. You can have some really fun Harry Potter themed role plays with this. You can also adapt other concepts from the book, like the different factions in the book. Um, I know this might this next part might sound a little bit silly, but I want you to understand it's very important that you don't judge yourself for what you like in bed. 
it's very important not to repress yourself for what you like in bed too. The first step with these things, if you, if you want to, is to understand why you might feel this way about certain topics. And there's no need to judge or condemn yourself for something that you haven't actually done. It's okay to think about these things. The reason that I mentioned this was there was someone that I knew who had a lot of really intense non-consent sort of rape fantasies around certain characters um, in the Harry Potter universe, and she was very conflicted by this. And I basically just encouraged her to accept herself and find a safe and healthy way to act out those fantasies, which she ended up doing some with her boyfriend, but mostly in her own head when she was masturbating. Um, You know, people are wired differently. And I look at Hermione Granger and think, total smoke show, like gorgeous, right? Intelligent, funny, charming, nerdy, quirky, 10 out of 10. And then other people look at Lucius Malfoy and think, daddy. And, uh, you know, I can, I can totally understand that even if I don't actually feel that way myself, but there is just so much that you can do with this. So other concepts that I thought about that I didn't actually play with myself, but you could, is this idea of like house elves having to be given clothing in order to be free. So you strip your girl naked and at the end of the scene, you give her a sock Um, I can see in my mind so many girls loving that and just being like so happy to be be given a sock. (laughs) Oh my God. I love my life sometimes. I really do. I think about all you people on the other end of my voice, just smiling and going off and having amazing sex with your amazing partners and building amazing relationships. And that's, that is why I do all of this. That's, that's the reason. So do a naked role play scene. And at the end you give them a sock and now they're free. Um, there are kind of the relationships between say Draco Malfoy and his two hench people. And there's probably different ways you could turn that sexual. Um, swap the genders around a little bit, depending on what you need. Um, there's the Lucius Malfoy kind of Harry Potter dynamic of him being this like super evil older guy and then Harry being, you know, the chosen one. There's so many different relationships within that universe um, that you can fit common archetypes like daddy-daughter play or um, there's a lot of gay male stuff that I guess you could do too with different male characters. That's not really my wheelhouse. I, I wouldn't have as much knowledge about the different kinds of archetypes that you could employ there, but I'm pretty sure a gay guy could come up with some really good ideas. Um, and that kind of thing, you know, interrogation scenes, you know, that you've been captured by a death eater and they're using unforgivable curses against you. I know it sounds a little bit silly to say these things out loud, or it may sound a little bit silly, but I want you to understand that you're not alone in these things. A lot of people like Harry Potter and a lot of people are really horny and it's not uncommon for them to combine those two things. The last thing that I want, the the thing that I don't want you doing is judging yourself for enjoying this. You can make these triggers as fun and playful and lighthearted as you like, you know, 
Revelio, now you're naked and you have to be basically a slave until I give you a sock. I mean, that is going to crack any girl up with laughter. And then you can go from that fun, playful to a super intense, super dark, torture, non-consent, mind rape fantasy of being kidnapped and abducted and tortured with the Cruciatus curse until you're you know, begging to confess and then being mind controlled by Imperio and then, you know, being forced to do something sexual to yourself or to do something sexual to your captor. You know, you can go all the way up to the very darkest, dark end of the dark spectrum with this stuff. And it's it's simply tools. Right? Now, obviously, when I talk about consensual non-consent and quote-unquote being forced, you can't see them, I'm making air quotes, but, you know, forced... Obviously, all of these things are consenting with your consenting partner who is over the age of majority in your jurisdiction, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean. <clears throat> but you can go from light and fluffy and happy to like really crazy dark and blood-drenched and mind-raping and compulsion against their will and consensual non-consent stuff. And... You can layer on as much Harry Potter fan fiction slash lore slash context as you want, or you can just use these triggers, tap into their existing understanding of what the desired effects are, and then just go in a completely different direction with it. Given that the language is sort of old-timey sounding, you could very easily incorporate these sorts of triggers into like role plays around maybe being abducted by a cult, or being used as a sacrifice in some way, or, I don't know, some Lovecraftian Cthulhu mythos kind of stuff. Basically, it's a trigger within a particular context for a desired effect, and here's a bunch of pre-made ones that you can have an amazing time with. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to use these with your partner, because it's an amazing universe. It's an amazing universe that you get to play in. Someone gave you this. Someone made this for you. Someone built this out of nothing with her bare hands so that you could grow up reading these books and feeling more accepted and more empowered and more loved. And you can understand concepts like the conflict between good and evil and the importance of friendship and the overcoming adversity and all of this stuff. Someone gave you all of this. They gave you a world that you probably read about when you were a teenager and you should absolutely incorporate that into your sexual fantasies if that's something that you're drawn to do. And even if it's not, you can take the concepts that have been embedded by reading those books and watching those movies. The idea of like the Imperio or the Imperius curse being like total control and the idea of the Avada Kedavra curse being like unconditional, well, I guess it's death in the movies, but you know, I would probably turn that into pleasure for a couple of seconds. Um, mostly because I find that really amusing. But, you know, you can take that and adapt it to other contexts if you want to. Or you can just build that into a normal part of your relationship. You know, create a bunch of triggers that you don't necessarily have to use during role play, but you can just, I mean, so <clears throat> how I did it was basically, I wouldn't necessarily set up a dedicated role play each time. I didn't, I should say, I didn't necessarily set up a dedicated role play each time, but sometimes I would just use those triggers during the course of normal sex 
and they made it fun. They made it more fun. They made it exciting and interesting and varied. And it's a set of pre-made triggers that you can add to your repertoire. It works best if your subject and yourself have a deep knowledge of the universe that you're inhabiting. But, you know, if it had to pick between the two of you, it's better that your subject knows more about this than necessarily you do. And you can apply these same concepts to, I hesitate to say it, but like anime. Um, again, I'm not very familiar with anime. Like I really only have watched like Goblin Slayer and Avatar The Last Airbender. And I look at Attack on Titan and I just think that's that's some weird shit right there. But um, yeah, not that I've ever seen any of it, just the posters for it are very confusing um but you know if if there's a pop culture or a fantasy franchise that your partner is really into you can very easily mine that for fun exciting things to incorporate into your sex um it's easy and fun and the whole point of all of this the whole point of everything that i'm doing is to help you to have an amazing relationship with amazing sex with your amazing partner. So that has been Harry Potter as a bunch of sex triggers. Um, thank you for listening. You can find more content like this on the Mind Kink podcast, M-I-N-D space K-I-N-K, or on the website, thewordsmithspeaks.com. Or you can email me directly at thewordsmithspeaks at pm.me. Thank you for listening. You have been wonderful. I have really enjoyed this one. It's been a really nice, fun, lighthearted, you know, it's not you know, how to scrub out someone's identity and replace it with a compliant identity. It's, it's not super deep or invasive, but it has the potential to be. But it's also fun and lighthearted, and I really liked that. So thank you for listening. Email me if you have any questions or you just like to chat. Um, but yeah, apply these ideas to your own sex life. It's really a lot more fun than it sounds. Like I'm, I'm hyping it up here, but it is way better than you think that it is. I guarantee it. Relax. Don't judge yourself. Sink into this with your partner. Have an amazing time. Use the tools that I outline in the maximizing the scene intensity or maximizing the intensity of scenes class in the resources folder on this, you know, plan it out how you would do it and just have a fucking great time, honestly. And if you have amazing Harry Potter themed sex with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, do send me an email about it. Not that I need super intense details, but it's really nice to hear from people when they're using the things that I'm teaching. That's always really rewarding for me. So this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. And I hope to talk to you again soon.